society isn't really set up to support people working in these industries. So what what what's that like for you? Boom, I've hit a button. It is time to go. Welcome to the Kindness Economy Podcast, where we talk about doing business from the heart outward. Today, we have a very special guest, my friend Kate. Hello. Who was also the person who helped me raise my babies. Uh, they were our nanny for a long time, and then now they're not nannying. I'm and, not, I'm done. You're done. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about that. We've talked a little bit about how uh, childcare is sort of uh, one of these industries it's very hard to really make a living at because you know lots of things it's um, hard to make a living and also have a life oh yeah yeah so we're going to talk about all that stuff with kate so how are you i'm good i'm good i'm unemployed and it's amazing <laughs> i hear it's good for your headaches or something it's yeah oh my god i was having i was actually in the process of like trying to get my dentist to make me a custom mouth guard because I was waking up with tension headaches from clenching my jaw all through the night, um, which is painful. It hurts. <laughs> I believe. I also believe those mouth guards are something like $700 that insurance doesn't cover. Well, I go through the um, UCSF dental school, so it would have been like 100 ish, 120 maybe. Nice. Um, which is, you know, not great, but not terrible. Still a lot of dollars. Yes, yeah. They give you a mold of your teeth, though, so you can like have, you have it, it on your desk of just like these are my teeth. So out of my face, <laughs> bonus. I'm gonna look at it out of my face. Yeah. Ugh, that's weird. So tell me what you do for your self care. What is your what is your favorite thing to do for yourself? My favorite thing apart? to do is actually I do like audio journals, audio diaries. So I just essentially record myself talking into my phone. Um, <gasps> That sounds, I should do that. Yeah, it's like, I feel like I do a lot of the like very common self-care tips that you can find on any like, you know, click Pinterest, through. what happened. Yeah, any any spam link that says Buzz like Buzzfeed and Pinterest, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, but the audio journal came out because um, I, I, I can't really write or type quickly. I mean, I can't. I can think much faster than I can type, and I can definitely mm -hmm. think faster than I can write. Mm -hmm. um, and so I get bogged down if I try to do a written journal or typed journal in like editing myself and listening to my own like voice, so to speak. Um, so then the actual point of doing the like info dump to get shit out of your head doesn't work because um, you're like editing yourself. Because I'm as editing you go. myself, and I'm trying to like make oh. things. I'm trying to like create a narrative. I'm trying to make things sound interesting to a reader, which. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not trying to laugh at your process, but like interesting to it. Who? What? Reader? Right, no, no one's read it. Well, this is, I mean, this is audience. one of the yeah, other. Yeah. There's a whole rant we could go on about like living your life as if you have an audience all the time. Um, oh, God. But yeah, so it doesn't work for me as a like therapeutic tool. So um, I started doing audio journals after using an app called Glide, which is video messaging. So me and my mm. friends would talk back and forth and you, you essentially monologue. Um, mm hmm stream of conscious yeah and i realized friends. it was so much better because i was able to just get everything out and there was no there, well minimal minimal thought put into <laughs> like if i turn the 
camera off so I can't just see maybe myself. Maybe a couple takes. Just a couple takes. Yeah, a little. It's, um, <laughs> well, and it's also just the world we live in now where like it, everyone's got Instagram. And Everybody whatnot. wants a little rehearsal. There's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. So, um, but it was much better as far as like being able to just kind of word vomit and not edit myself and actually like talk through things. So that's my main thing. If I'm like having a stressful day or I had an experience where I'm like not quite sure how I felt about it, mm-hmm. um, or I've like got something that I want to figure out, I'll just, you know, turn on the recording app and start talking. Um, and I find it really useful. Um, what app are you using? It's, oh God, let me see what I, I the like, I know the, the icon for the app and I don't know That's what it's fair. called. I was like, I know the shape and color yes. of what I'm looking for, but. Right. It is, it's a really basic free one called Voice Recorder. There oh, you there go. it is, yeah. Um, I have that on my phone. It's the little purple one with the little vibration wave My, right well mine's just like a little gray it looks like a an old school cassette oh, tape okay um which hopefully your readers know what those readers your Listeners, audience knows what i think a i have an o- a older, older listenership maybe That's good. yeah old um, enough to know yeah and I, I use the free version you can pay for like uploading to the cloud blah 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 but i use the free version and i um I mostly don't back go back and listen to it, um, so I don't really need to have a record. I'm not worried about it getting wiped because I I don't go back and listen. You're like I just need it out of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm. um like the I forget. I think it's called the Artist Way is the book, and it's, you do morning pages where you just kind of dump everything out of your head mm-hmm. in the first like 15 20 minutes of your morning, and then you go on to do whatever creative stuff you need to do. So I should do that. That sounds fun. Yeah. I am being injected with ozone. I yes, you we showed saw me video. the video. <laughs> I have because uh, my life is like I'm going to record everything on video now. That's what we do, um, and I I'm trying to get healthier, and I experience a lot of chronic health problems, um, particularly a I struggle to find food that I can eat that doesn't cause me pain, and um, you know another chapter in why my childhood trauma is causing me health problems in my current life at 40 years old. Uh, It's, you know, the doctor is like, a lot of this could just be stress, because if you get your baseline set up in your neurology as stressed, then you're just dumping cortisol into your system all the time for no reason. And that's a thing that like causes inflammation, which, funny story, is stressful to your body, which then causes more cortisone to get released, which is just a cycle for decades in my body. And maybe that it can stop would be nice. I'm really like really struggling to receive it because it's super expensive. I've already talked about like identifying with my challenge in such a way that it's hard to let go of. It's also weird putting it on social media and having people, like I posted my ACE, not my ACE score, the actual number, but I posted like the doctor said I had the highest ACE score they've recorded. And other people commented about ACE score stuff. And and I'm really glad I gave people an opportunity to talk about it. And, and the people that don't have the ACE score stuff, like being congratulated for staying alive in the face of hardcore trauma feels super weird. It's just like, 
it's just really weird. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. It's just like, there's a thing where um, one of, like I follow a lot of Gary Vee and he's sort of on the, don't, don't really feel the compliments as much as you don't really, like if you don't want to feel those negative feel, like things that people say about you, mm-hmm. then for sure don't absorb the positive things people are saying about you because that's just setting you up for the fall of that bad thing later. Okay. And so like, this is the first time where people are congratulating me for a thing and I was just like, the best I can do is just like calmly say thank you. Yeah. Because it's just like, there's no way I can be like, yeah, that was great. Thanks. Yeah, we're celebrating the part where I was, you know, experiencing a very violent childhood. Mm. Like, no, we're just going to. And I think mostly they're just like, people are so impressed that I'm positive. And I think there's like a guilt that I experience about that because the positivity isn't a thing I did consciously it's just like what happened and it's just luck and when people when people say congratulations or whatever it just makes me think about how chaotic and random and lucky everything is and like like I feel like there's a future where I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to want to say yeah, I came from da, 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 and I made it and you can do it too. And it's like, actually, that's not true. For sure, that's not true. And if there's ever a future where I'm like, yeah, da, 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 like just fuck, somebody punch me in the face because that's a lie. <laughs> like, like it's total, it's hard. just luck of the draw. It's you never chaos. Know. There's n- you have no way of knowing how you're going to respond to something. And like almost no one responds like this. Like, you're not going to look down the face of a, you know, between an 8 and 10 score on the ACE, like the Adverse Childhood Events score. (laughs) If you get up into that 8 to 10 range, you're going to really struggle keeping your heart open and staying optimistic. And that I created a God delusion to do it. Like, how probable, how reasonable is it to expect that everybody could create a reasonable god delusion that doesn't turn you into an egomaniac right <laughs> like you don't currently have a cult of your own i you know the opportunity for that to happen would have been perhaps in my 20s mm-hmm. and it's really good that the internet wasn't around then because i would have <laughs> made some terrible choices so i'm gonna just help the young people make better choices now yeah yeah yeah, I, uh, I not recently, so I don't really remember what my score was, but I did do the that assessment, the adverse childhood events. Um, and some of it, I mean, some of it was stuff that like, you know, it's like, well, no shit, my dad died and my mom was a single mom of four kids. Like, that is adverse. And That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and some of it, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know this was an adverse thing. This was just like, A, my childhood and B, completely normalized and in, in where I grew up because I was in a working class city in a poor neighborhood going to public school. And like, I, I was like, not even close to the kid who had it the roughest. Like mm. I, um, I actually like, it's still hard for me to acknowledge sometimes that what I went through was a form of trauma just cause I'm like, I wasn't getting thrown into walls. Like my mom was not an active crackhead. Like, mm. you know, I, I had a classmate who, she was a lovely girl, but she was raising all her younger siblings cause her mom was a, um, a drug addict who had AIDS. Like. And 
you know, when that's the comparison, when I like look at my childhood where I'm like, you know, yeah, things were tough, but. <laughs> I do that too. I totally do that. I was like, yeah, it seems really tough, but you know, there was for sure kids that had it better, worse. Yeah. yeah. And and there's a, like the violence in my, my house was like mostly normal spanking and mm-hmm. not normal. It was actually pretty rough. Um, but like, it was like spanking with weapons, mm-hmm. which I just like, that's just as an escalation. Yeah. Um, but it, they were doing it, you know, out of a sense of religious duty. Right. And like, you know, the Bible said, spare the rod, spoil the child, but they didn't say anything about what to do when your child's unconscious. That's new. That wasn't supposed to happen. Right. Um, and the, that, like, I knew kids that got beat unconscious all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and, and I and I still see like so many um, places where like that kind of reaction from parents is normalized of like, well, of course, and like people create like comedy routines based on like the oh, parent yeah. pulling the belt off, and and I'm just like, you know, I was lucky enough to not experience that level of physical violence growing up, um, and so it can be hard for me to like sit there and be like, people are laughing at this, and they were talking about beating children. <laughs> with what is essentially a, like a whip, a leather whip. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to wrap my head around sometimes. And then it is also hard to like sit down and be like, no, shit happened and there are reasons that I'm, I am the way I am and I struggle with the things I struggle with. And and yeah, congratulations, I think, would throw me for a loop because I'm like, what else am I, what else was I supposed to do? Like, you know, I feel like survival is the most basic human drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you I think you get through it however you can get through it. Mm-hmm. And it's all um, trial and error. It's yeah. for sure. Like, I didn't have a plan ahead of time. Right. Um, what was it? I know I've talked about this before, the book uh, Love, Money, and Parenting. I've talked about it on a show, probably not with you, but that um, basically everybody beat the shit out of their kids until the 80s, to varying degrees. And then suddenly, everybody stopped. So like, I'm not even really super mad at my parents about the violence that I experienced as a child. Cause it's just like, that was the, like everybody was experiencing violence in their homes. And just like, suddenly culturally we just stopped. Like that, thank God. But you know, I have a lot of faith in humanity for a lot of reasons. And that one in particular, just like, there's a bunch of stuff that humans were doing that was terrible. And then like, all of a sudden we was like, yeah, that, mm-mm, mm-mm. You feel good for self-care? I do. Okay. And we are back with and tea. With tea. And it is my favorite time of the month. It is time to do the numbers. Oh, I love it. And um this month it was sort of uh yeah kind of a mixed bag we have our like the overall plays per for the month are down um but they're still in that 10 to 15 plays a day range that i'm super into the cool thing was the month of october had our three most downloads in a day days including something up at like 87 84 in a day that is so many so many thank you for joining us thank you for enjoying our content enough to consume it that's awesome 
So yeah, it's it's really exciting for me, and I've finally, finally, I'm able to get data out of the iTunes Connect platform. So I have been using the iTunes link for months now, and I don't know how many downloads. I know that I started doing the downloads the same time that I actually did the TikTok episode. So it's possible that there's just timing that happened there. The only episode that I have data for is the TikTok episode, and it's at like 141 plays. Um, everything else is below that, and it doesn't have data. And so I barely have enough for tic- for the iTunes to be a thing, and it's... Uh, it's not as much as I wanted, but that's okay. Uh, I'm still seeing that we get through iTunes about one to two hours of play a month, and that's pretty cool. Um, it's a really, it's only 14% of our total listenership because iTunes isn't what we started using right away, and not everybody uses iTunes. So that is our basic numbers report i'm really stoked about it and obviously we're just going to keep doing it because data analytics is like it's better than porn for me i'm willing to i think that this is a safe place that i could admit that uh so that's why we have this segment every month um we have a special (laughs) basically a special situation today because we have kate here and kate is in the middle of trying to figure out i think this is fair to say like what they're going to do with their life in a career track place Um, and so I just wanted them to share what this process is like for them and like what what their priorities are for what they want for their future yeah um, so so far I'm still very much in the just like relief of having quit both a job and a field that I was very much done with (laughs) Um, the so I, I have generally worked with parents who work in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've generally worked with people who I would call like type A personalities uh. um, and or people who just you know have a lot of anxiety, frankly. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm also generally have worked with first time parents who are naturally going to be more anxious because, you know. They're, they're they're going like oh my god I did I did this thing keep I made alive. a person keep it yeah. alive keep it alive <laughs> keep it alive for sure um, and and nannying like just by its nature is a job where you have to do a lot of emotional labor mm-hmm. um, and it's I mean typically more with the parents than the kids because well the kids are fine the kids are fine kids don't even have any assumptions or needs really other than feed me right and uh, you know I think there's a certain divide of people who like find the the infancy and toddlerhood super stressful and like things get easier for them once the kids can start to communicate versus people who are like i am totally fine with the infancy and toddlerhood because you either feed them change their diaper or put them to sleep or like cuddle them three or four options right and um and then it gets worse when they start talking because then they also start having opinions (laughs) um and you know i i have i was a nanny for 10 years i get to say was now um i was a nanny for 10 years and you know, it was really in the second camp of like, babies are awesome, toddlers are cool. I like watching them explore and, and learn things and see their brains develop. Um, and have now, like it took 10 years, but I'm now like, okay, I've done this. I get, you know, I get the process. Um, yeah. So there was that, of just like boredom. Like it, it took a long time, but I did eventually get to the point where like I was not 
um, being fed by just like the the day to day work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I have like grown and done a lot of work on my own about like recognizing my own boundaries and self worth and stuff like that, it got having them. Yeah, well, having them, yeah, for sure. Um, like it got harder and harder to want to do the emotional labor for the parents of like accommodating them and accommodating their anxiety a lot of the times. Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult job. Um, and yeah, I just, I stopped wanting to do it and the money stopped being a good enough compensation to do it. Um, and, and it can also, it can be a really lonely job. Um, you know, there, I'm certainly not the only like college educated white nanny out there, but like the vast majority of people that I was meeting, um, English was their second language and they were willing to chat, but I think there's just like a level on which, um, once you get past the kind of day to day, like, hi, how are you? Oh, look at the cute thing the baby's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a language barrier and, um, I, it's hard to build friendships. Yeah, it is. That. It is. And like, you know, I've, um, I know a little bit of Spanish, but I'm not fluent. Um, and yeah, so it could it it could be a very lonely job, and also like the age difference. The people, like I'd run into people who were more fluent in English, but then they were often au pairs in their early twenties, which is just <laughs> there's a limited oh, amount yeah. that I have to say to someone in their early twenties. They can be perfectly lovely people, but you know, yeah. Um. So yeah, so I was feeling super burned out and just done. And, and also coming to the realization that it was not just like the individual job. It was like, no, I need to, I need to be doing something else now. Um, so, and coincidentally, like I, I had been working 50 hours a week, um, which is actually pretty common for nannies. There are many nannies there who work like eight to six because you're coming in before the parents before leave. Before they leave commute, and after, yeah. And then staying until the parents are able to get home. Um, which is a lot of hours to be one-on-one with a small child by yourself. Um, I found that my limit personally was approximately four hours. Like I'm a pretty, I am a very entertaining Muppet for about four hours. And then I hit a wall and everything that they do irritates the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like. Um, And like I can do like six to eight is reasonable and then definitely when I get past eight and especially at the 10 hour mark, cause I had, um, I had like for a while I had two 12 hour days a week. Um, it just Ooh. gets real tough and like, it's not, it's not good for me. And it's also not good for the child that I'm in mm-hmm. charge of. Like they, they you know, feel that they feel it for sure. Um, so it was the first time that I'd been working that many hours and was, I was on the point of being like, I actually, I'm going to have to tell them that I can't continue to do this. Um, cause it was really affecting my mood and my ability to like maintain friendships and have a social life, which mm. is important for my mood. Yes. <laughs> um, mm. and then coincidentally, you know, I had emailed them cause I knew she was, um, I'm just encouraging the cat over yeah. to your lap. I'm kitty, not trying kitty. to, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just patting me. I was just talking about my heart. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so coincidentally, I'd, I'd emailed the parents and was kind of feeling out like I knew she was on a, a list for a daycare spot. And um, we were at the time frame where it was seemed likely that I was going to be um, wrapping up the job soon. So I was kind of debating, like, can I kind of tough it out for whatever the amount of time that I have left is and mm-hmm. I need to know how much time I have left because if it's six months then no I cannot I'm gonna have to change my schedule um 
so I sent that email and then heard back that, oh, no, actually, she's her a spot opened up and, we, you know, it's approximately 30 days. I have a month left, <gasps> so, which was just like a huge sigh of relief. Um, and I often have trouble acknowledging or noticing when I'm stressed. Um, I'm like very much in hindsight 2020. I'm like, oh, oh, I was super stressed out. So like getting that email and feeling the relief of, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I only have a month left was part of me noticing like I am super stressed Found out. Found like 5% more lungs right. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just uh, noticing how much more patience I had because I knew there was a deadline coming up soon where I wasn't going to have to do this anymore. Mm. Um, so yeah, so coincidentally worked out that like, uh, there was going to be this deadline. I was going to be done by like mid October. Um, and I just like perked up and I was like, hallelujah. And, um, I have been using a budgeting app to, um, help me manage my finances. And between that and working 50 hours a week and the pay rate I negotiated, I was like, I could, I could be unemployed for like, you know, six months. And if I'm super frugal up to a year, which is not what I want to do, because I would be super anxious mon- about money. Like, yeah, it's just, a different anxious anxiety. Um, but but I like I could do it if I needed to, which means I have breathing room in picking my next job nice. and what kind of job I want to pick next. Um, because I could I could go like through a referral or sign up for an agency or whatever. I could get more nanny work very easily. The um, thing I didn't realize until you left us. When, when our kids went into school was just like, it literally doesn't matter. Either you're working at an agency or a school where the majority of the money goes to that agency or school, mm-hmm. but then you have the stability of an ongoing job, right. or you're getting all of the money from the parent, but you have to find another parent, another kid or family every two years. Yeah. Two three, to three years. Three or three and a half max. and Yeah. Most people nowadays, at least with the again the group that I've been working with, have one kid. There, I have not exactly. run into a lot of people who We're want not, to have multiple yeah. children. So then, so. You, three and a half years is the absolute max that you're going to be employed. Right, and then like watching you like crossing your fingers, hoping the next one isn't terrible. It could be two or three or four before you find a good fit. Mm-hmm. It, I was, I, I did not understand that. That's how this impacts people. Right, and and most nannies work um, either on a contract basis or under the table, even though by law you are considered a W-2 employee or a household employee, but um, most people don't work that way. And so if you don't have a W-2, you can't apply for unemployment. And you don't also don't get any uh, Social Security, which right. I believe the, there's certain, like house care people were deliberately excluded from Social Security because obviously those are only brown people. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there there are definite minuses. It, a lot of people do it under the table. I mean, some people do it under the table because they can't work over the table. Right. Some people do it under the table because it gives them some flexibility in, um, say, getting health insurance for their kids oh. if they're able to say that they only earn a certain amount. Right, right. Um, and... And some people prefer it just because they feel more in control. And like I do report, like I do a 1099, or not a 1099, but I do a, like a Schedule C on my taxes. I say that I'm self-employed mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to cheat myself out of the Social Security, but I do lose the matching funds that I would normally get from an employer for Social mm-hmm. Security. I don't get to qualify for unemployment if I don't get a W-2. Um, I don't get um like local benefits i think san francisco employees there's like a a amount that your employer pays for like disability or something like that Mm -hmm. which i don't get if i'm not getting a w-2 um 
there's a lot of there's a lot of places where having this sort of gray area of unemployment also working in a house like you know the all these protections that you have in a business setting for say like sexual harassment policies don't come up and sexual or harassment comp. or workman's comp hurt. right like i've i'm i had an incident where i was super worried where i injured my finger at work um because of something that was broken in the house that i wasn't aware of they hadn't told me um and so this piece of metal like came off and bruised my finger oh. and i mean a i work with kids i lift them up i'm working with infants so i need my hands like i can't do my hand job one-handed um, and also like I have a very bare bones plan through Kaiser. So I have a much higher out of pocket expense if I have need care for anything. Um, and the trade off being that my monthly premium was lower. Mm-hmm. So that's a gamble that I took. Um, and you know, I was sitting there at work with like ice on my finger. Like, am I going to have to try and convince them to file a homeowner's claim? Oh, right. If I'm really injured and like, luckily I wasn't, you know, I did have a bruise, but there wasn't any like tendons damaged or anything like that but it was like the anxiety of me sitting there there and be like oh fuck right and the you know and the general american thing of like is are my medical expenses going to bankrupt me so so this this is a lot of the general like specifics of a thing that we've talked about on the show before about the way that like you know i say quote unquote women's work is is largely devalued because in general this is work that has been in our society done by slaves or by wives that are owned by their husbands right and so it's just like this societal standard of we don't really consider that work right right and america also like they're you know this is largely i guess coming out of reading historical novels so it's probably not that accurate but like the idea that in a culture where there is a tradition of in-home employees so that there are certain standards of behavior of like there are things that you don't ask of your servants because it's just not done yeah or certain ways that you behave in front of your servants because um like i guess sort of an awareness of the fact that you are being observed and human nature people tend to gossip so if you have like also if you piss them off too much they will slit your throat in your sleep <laughs> there is that there's That's the occasional real. uprising I would, just, <laughs> I would just like to put that out there you know yeah they will kill you in your sleep if you're real fucked up right right and uh and yeah that was something i occasionally ran into of like people having spats in front of me like you know spousal arguments where I'm like sitting there with a baby and I'm just like, should I leave? Is it better to just sit here and do my best not to draw attention to myself? Like it's, it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to have people argue in front of you. Um, and most people like there wasn't any like process I think, or, um, I guess precedent in their head of like how to address the fact that here's this person in our house who's not actually a family member. Um, but they're kind of in the middle of our daily life. I think we got to save the rest of this for yeah. the actual end segment. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I want to get into. I'm rambling. Oh um, no, that's the that's the show, honey. That's <laughs> that's what we do here. Yeah. Um, the the thing I do want to hear about for this segment is for sure, like, what are you looking for? Right. So yeah, and that's the thing where I'm like, I have no fucking clue. Um, I I've been all over the place employment wise. I majored in philosophy, which I was fun, but I don't recommend if you're not independently wealthy. Um, <laughs> and I worked in like nonprofit and admin field. I've done some like call center, customer service stuff. I fell into nannying by accident and just happened to, um, I mean, I'm good at my job and also had like a good source of referrals. Um, so just did that for 10 years cause it was, it was easy. It like fit what I needed at the time in a job, which was mainly to not have to navigate office politics. Um, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a planned career. And so now I'm coming out of all this and I'm like, okay, I'm 37. 
I have a a wide variety of skills that I can put on a resume, but they don't necessarily like build in any direction. Right. Um, and also, I don't know what I want. <laughs> I don't know what I want to do other than like, you know, not starve. Um, Thanks, capitalism. Right, right. And and I do feel fairly confident that I can get hired somewhere. I can pay my bills somehow. Right. Um, both, but you want to make a conscious decision this time. Right. I would like to make a conscious decision. And, and so I'm trying to figure that out. Um, while also like also coming out of a period of depression where like depression often cuts off your emotions. So like I didn't feel excited about anything because I just mm. did. I was numb. I didn't feel anything at all. So it makes it hard to pick a career path when everything seems equally boring. Um, everything seems like a gray paste right now. Right, right. So so what I've been trying to do since I have this buffer, like financial buffer, um, and certain amount of confidence in getting hired somewhere. I've got some time to sit down and think about what I want and try things. Um, so that's the first thing, you have to try shit. You're not gonna get anywhere. I don't feel like I'm gonna get anywhere from sitting on the couch. Like I have to go out and try things and see what they're like. So for me, that means volunteering to start with um, and finding. So at the moment, I'm most excited about um, jobs where I'm not at a desk potentially jobs where I'm like doing some kind of create creative thing, working with my hands, being physically active. Um, Cause those are all things that feel good. Um, yeah, so I can do like sort of more theoretical analy- analytical stuff, um, but I often find myself getting frustrated with um, the fact that it's sort of ephemeral. Like right now I really want something where um, I can see the results of what I've done at the end of the day. I built a chair. There's a right. fucking chair over there. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty a, good. Yeah. I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> like having a thing that I built, um, having like, you know, I had a part-time stock job at um, Whole Foods for a little bit to fill in a gap in employment. And like at the end of the day, I could say I did, you know, I moved 20 cases of product onto the shelf or a hundred cases of product, whatever. Um, and there was something satisfying in that. So um, so volunteer opportunities that I found that are kind of aligned with what I'm looking for right now. I'm signed up to volunteer at the Crucible, which is an art center oh, yeah. in West Oakland that does like welding. everything, welding, glass blowing, um, carpentry, pottery, uh, leather working, uh, neon. You can make neon signs. Um, they do. I do think they do some stuff with like electrical, like building robots, building things that move. Uh, like what else fire stuff that I'm not I I like to have some distance from a fire so I'm not going to do that part but <laughs> um lots and lots of department. creative things <laughs> right I watch other people do fire art so fire's then, the best yeah. anyway uh yeah so that and then I also there's this nonprofit called Dykes with Drills that is pretty new I think they've only been around for a year right that's amazing right so um they they have kind of a two-pronged approach where they're trying to increase access to trade jobs for people who are like queer non-binary lgbt plus um and also to like do workshops for the community so people who don't necessarily feel comfortable with tools which you know is largely people who are raised as female um mm-hmm. there's often a divide of like you know the boys did the t- stuff that involved tools so like building comfort with people to do that and also they do project service projects um, because like as they're building up these skills, well, you want to be able to use them. Mm-hmm. So they have helped to build tiny houses for homeless youth, which I thought was like an awesome thing to do. Um, so I'm doing some both like actual s- 
skill stuff of like learning how to use um, a miter saw and like big shop saws that I wouldn't normally have access to because I live in an apartment with no backyard and no garage. There's no table saw in your apartment? There's no table saw. I kind of wish there was. I don't think my roommate would love it so much. But uh, Yeah, I would like one in the garage. I could put one down there. Yes, I am all for that. I am all for my friends having (laughs) wood shops in their garages. Um, And and also doing some work for just like more admin stuff because... um, because I don't know, I have buy-in, I'm excited about it. So like, even though I might find it boring to like call local businesses and be like, hey, do you want to donate food to our, you know, volunteer appreciation event? Like I'm willing to do that work because I am excited about the organization. Um, And let's see what else. And like also kind of looking back, like if when I'm in a spot where I'm feeling stuck of like, I don't know what I like, I don't know what I'm interested in, like just to give myself a starting point, I'm like, okay, what did I used to like? Like start there, try it again, see if you still like it. And if you don't, that's fine. You move on to the next thing. But like, just to get that initial like um, motivation and energy to start doing things, I think that's a good spot to just like you know. And I don't care if it's like in elementary school. I used to like making friendship bracelets. Like, at not any, work. Right. Get into some knitting. Right. Anything. Anything that can help get you to a place where your brain is like giving you the nice dopamine again. <laughs> um, I remember those chemicals. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what else do I have on my list here? Oh yeah, evaluating things after the fact is super important for me um, because I am not necessarily good at noticing in the moment what I'm feeling um, mm. or how my environment is affecting me. So like if I go to a thing and like at first I'm like, oh no, it's great, it's totally fine. And then I notice that later in the day, I'm fucking exhausted and I need a nap. Or um, I'm suddenly like being emotional and like tearing up over something that, you know, on the surface is completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like I'm working on noticing like, oh hey, like, you know, this seemed like it was totally fine. But then also later in the day, I was having this issue. Um, and maybe they're related, maybe they're not, but it's worth noticing, it's worth paying attention to. Um, and that's something, that's something that I adapted from working on interpersonal relationship stuff of just like noticing which people, um, might be more likely to feel like they're draining my energy or like that I have trouble mm-hmm. being around them because, um, uh, I, I had a, a coworker who was a lovely person in many ways. And also, um, when they were excited about things, their energy got like they got very animated and like louder and very like physically active. And I was like, oh, I'm actually like having trouble being around them when they're like this. Are you talking about me right no, now? Oddly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this was someone else who had other features that I'm not gonna No, we don't mention. have to name names, that's fair. Um, I, I'm just, it felt very familiar and I was like, hey. <laughs> uh, no, this was someone else who there were other issues where I like, I was, that I'm, again, I'm not going to go into because just privacy reasons. But totally. there was other stuff where I felt like they were kind of stepping on boundaries of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in combination with this, like their their what but felt I'm like just excited. You're excited. Yeah, you're like, excited. Um, but this other person, I was like, wow, it's actually really hard for me to be around them, and I feel super drained afterwards. And like, oh, I was saying like when people get so excited, they stomp all over other people's boundaries, and then their excuse is like, oh, but I was just really excited. Like, no, bro, you were being a dick. Yeah, it doesn't. That's not. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just like starting to pay attention and like realizing that I could generalize it from not just certain people might feel draining. Um, 
that but that like situations or organizations or systems or communities mm. might feel draining as well so like um you know mindfulness mindfulness just keeps That's popping what all up the kids are doing over. these days yeah. mindfulness <laughs> um so i think that's our segment cool for this part and yes. we're gonna do like general overview we will be right back okay it's our favorite part of the week rent a fester time so i want to get into the specifics of like why the career wasn't a thing for you yeah and why honestly why why and how um society isn't really set up to support people working in these industries so what what what's that like for you yeah i mean i think the top two things were probably one not feeling um Not feeling like I anything that I said was being heard. Um, like I mean, people will like it's so common. People will ask me for advice about those children, and I will give them advice, and they will not follow it. And <laughs> I mean, and then you have to deal with their children acting up later because they didn't do the thing you said. Right, right, and um, and that's really just the nature of the job. And on the one hand, I totally get that like people just aren't going to listen to me. They, you know. That's parenting, I think, in a nutshell, is people... Oh, yeah. We're know, all on our own. Just, you can't tell me shit. Yeah. And, like, if people are doing the same thing with, like, the books they read and the magazine articles they read about parenting. like All of my clients. Talking to their own therapists that they pay hundreds of dollars to and then, oh, you know, yeah. disregard I'm the I'm glad you see the bigger system because <laughs> nobody listens to their people. Right, right. Um, and it is a job where, like, I don't... You know, I feel like in most office jobs, like you might start out in a career where it's very much you are being told what to do, but assuming you want to, you can work your way up and get to a point where you are. You have some clout after yeah, 10 years. you have some clout or you're at least collaborating, making a contribution. Um, but nannying is very much a job of being told what to do on a you know fairly minute level. God, you start over too every three years. Yeah, yeah, you start over. God. Um, and then the other thing was like having to do so much work to accommodate other people's like anxiety and very i i have noticed over the past 10 years very few people have actually done work to recognize and again this is mindfulness like 101 you are not your feelings you are not your anxiety like your anxiety is something that is actually separate from you where you can say i'm having this feeling that i'm anxious about something and the knee-jerk reaction is to try and accommodate that somehow or change the environment so that you don't have to feel uncomfortable and feel anxious. Um, and logic doesn't really play into that. Like inside of your head, it might seem like what you're doing is logical. <laughs> My um, head is an empirical, logical vessel. Right, right. just a machine. Wow. Oh, <laughs> God damn. Um, but it isn't. And, you know, my job as a nanny was largely to, like, accommodate other people's anxieties to the point where, like, um, it was affecting my ability to do my job. And also, like, I never worked for, I, you know, I'm lucky that I never worked for for anyone that I felt like was outright abusive to their children. Mm -hmm. But there was definitely stuff where I was like, you're, like, you don't mean to do it. You're coming from a place of love. But what you're doing is hurting your kids. Like... For instance, kids need to leave the house on a regular basis and be able to run around. 
and not be constantly tracked on cameras. And um, it seemed very reasonable at the time. What? Right, right. I mean, and you know, everyone has Nest cams nowadays, and like that's it's just part of the landscape. Um, I mean, it's escalated to a point where, like, in the in in the Twitter sphere this week, which nobody but people on Twitter know, uh, Ti, some is he a rapper? Rapper, yeah, I think so. Um, he uh, he he had a thing about his daughter where his daughter's 18 years old mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he was on a podcast saying that oh sorry baby i stepped on your tail that is not what he was saying <laughs> I, was, I was talking to the cat he was on some podcast saying that he goes with his doctor to the gynecologist appointment once a year to confirm that her hymen is still intact oh that is fucked up and the whole all every woman on twitter lost their just went just mm. yeah yeah, that's we, like a, that is a, a surveillance state. Yeah, it is. It is a full-on surveillance state, and a lot of parents sort of like uh, first of all choose that people know what anal is nowadays. That is not a secret. Your <laughs> children know what anal yeah, is. <laughs> that that's true. Um, and uh, yeah, I I feel like there's either a hands off because I see the hands off on TikTok mm. where like kids have not there's they have a very very powerful device in their hands right and they clearly have no supervision right yes yeah or guidance on good value judgments maybe right Um, but there's like a thing in society that we're sort of addressing you know the mindfulness thing is coming up Mm -hmm. about it where um westerners don't feel our bodies like particularly white westerners are so physically repressed I mean, like, you kind of, like, my theory is that you literally have to be to be a colonialist. Like, you Mm. you can't feel your feelings in your body and do that to people. Yeah, that's, yeah, that seems fair. And so as a culture, we've sort of internalized this lack of awareness for our bodies. And and we don't feel it when shit's fucked up. And, And... in so many of the like i have the joke and i'm, I'm going to just talk about this joke on online all the time and then it's going to hit twitter i'm going to be a fucking famous anyway um i've read almost and it's that qualifier that makes it untwitter worthy i have read <laughs> almost every self the self-help books on the new york times bestseller list mm-hmm. and the answer is westerners are really bad at mindfulness and we'd be happier if we were better at it. <laughs> and if you want specific recommendations, um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck for the white cis dudes, uh, girl wash your face for white Christian cis women. Um, there's another one, it's not supposed to be like this for the, if you want extra Bible in your <laughs> white Christian cis women book. Um, and for everybody else to be angry by the Dalai Lama. Hmm. And that's actually really good, but generally speaking, what we have in our society is multiple generations of people who refuse to have bad feelings. Yes. And we have zero tolerance for bad feelings. And like the thing that I was talking about earlier, where like, you know, you you get addicted to positive reinforcement, you get addicted to good grades, you get addicted to knowing you did a good job, instead of just embracing the suck. Because sometimes it just sucks. Yeah. But we have no, we have no tolerance for that at all and like the the biggest problem with privilege like on a moment to moment basis is like an inability to realize that being uncomfortable will literally put somebody else's life in danger if you have the wrong color skin 
Yeah. But the person endangering the other has like zero awareness that they're just uncomfortable. Not in fact in a life and death situation, but their behavior will put everyone in the room in a life and death situation. Right. Right. I've had to unlearn that too, of just like, you know, this person might be drunk and, and kind of angry and loud, but I'm actually, I'm okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a few books in before I got to that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I am literally talking about like multiple years of therapy to get to that point. Yeah. Um, really glad Gary Vee's been talking a lot about therapy. It's pretty mm, cool. Yeah. I'm liking that part. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like. Are we winding down? Do you want more? I honestly, I have, I feel like a near infinite ability to talk. <laughs> um, you must, you, you, how don't you have a podcast? Cause that's I, what we do. I mean, I could, well, so the disconnect for me is I'm happy to talk if I feel like I have an appreciative audience. And if I have to like gamble on the fact that someone might like what I'm saying and might also roll their eyes and just be like, what the fuck is this chick talking about then? I am much less interested. Like I've tried having a Twitter account. I tried having like, oh, this is blast from the past. I had a live journal. So um, it's almost like the job thing you're looking for is a, is a part that like inherently gives you some kind of a positive reinforcement. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, and I'm and that's something that too, just like, you know, again, things I'd work on in therapy <laughs> of um, not necessarily needing that safety net and like trusting in my own resilience um, and shifting shifting the mindset of like constantly evaluating other people of how they're perceiving me versus like actually paying attention to what I think about them. Mm. Um, like, so yeah, this has been an interesting thing to say. Um, I, so I did a, a personal growth program a couple years ago um, and then graduated. And then, you know, anytime you graduate a program, the relationship shift like graduate the college alumni. yeah um so realizing like and and doing all this work of being like how much do i do i want to be around these people now like not when we are not we don't have share this common goal anymore um like do i want these people as friends how well do we actually connect or get along like are we aligned <laughs> in our like general view of the world enough for us to have a friendship like um and it was interesting to notice like you know huh okay i actually and i'm I'm not getting a lot from this relationship anymore and it's okay to let go of it and i can trust that you know i will make other friends um or have other communities that i can be a part of and um i think a shift that a lot of people make um who are like especially raised as female but I, I think it shows up in lots of different places the idea that like there's some kind of award that you're gonna get from doing a shit ton of work to maintain a, a relationship to keep a relationship like the whole idea of like um the i guess the trope of loving like the curmudgeon where you're doing like all the work uh of like maintaining this relationship with like say like the tool time or whatever the, the trope of the like grumpy working class husband and the the very accommodating wife uh. um and the idea of like you know i love this person so i should work really hard to keep this relationship going in spite of all these giant red flags 
<laughs> that I see. I like to read advice flag columns. Flag team. Drill team's out there. Right, right. Waving so, flags. Um, and I, yeah, so I like to read advice columns, and I see it comes up so often where oftentimes it's a woman in her, like, you know, mid-20s who's like, A, the sunk cost fallacy of I've been in a relationship with this usually guy for, like, three or four years now, and, you know, there's all this stuff about like, he doesn't support my life goals or he just doesn't want to do the things that I want to do. And then he complains when I go out with my friends and like all this shit where she's like, but I love him and I just want to figure out how to fix this. And uh, and it's like, okay, but don't, <laughs> maybe just break up with him. Um, There's a thing that my therapist said to me um, and it's just like, who are you loyal to? Like you think oh, you're yeah. being loyal to that friend, mm -hmm. but like you're really being loyal to an old version of yourself. Yeah. Because if that friend isn't keeping up, it's you're the only one putting in energy and you're not getting anything out of it. Like if you, you, you know, try, if you would like to try, go ahead and try. It's like there's plenty of times like, you know, feedback is amazing yeah. and letting people know what you do and don't want, fuck, it goes a long way. But failing that, letting go of people has been really hard. I don't, I feel I have an over-sense clock of, over-clocked sense of loyalty. That yeah. is the, the well, crux think, of everything I've done in therapy. Yeah, getting raised with the idea that it's somehow selfish to like unfriend someone, I guess. Yeah is, you know, I see that a lot. I see it in myself and I see it in other people that like what is actually a healthy amount of self-esteem and healthy boundaries for, you know, typically women is considered selfish. And and it like, honestly, it took having a friend who um, didn't grow up traumatized, <laughs> who grew up, I mean, and, and I tie this very much to their financial stability, their, their upper middle class. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the trauma that I think is a direct result of like financial instability she just didn't have to deal with. And like her parents are not perfect, but she just, her baseline was much higher. Um, and her self-esteem is much healthier <laughs> and her self-care routines, you know, are stable and everything. So like, and her willingness to like not keep people in her life and not do a huge amount of emotional labor to maintain relationships and everything was eye-opening to me. And especially because my initial reaction was like, oh my God, you're so selfish. Mm -hmm. And then like looking at my reaction and being like, huh, where's that actually coming from? <laughs> and you know, the things that she's doing actually line up really well with what like self-help books and my therapist are saying, so. Is it really selfish for you to not make yourself a hot goddamn mess for someone else to clean? Right. Cause like that's like, it took me a while to figure that part out. Like, oh, oh, I'm not doing anybody any fucking favors right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that feels good as cool. a close. Yeah. Um, so I feel like our takeaways today are like experiment. Yes. Test things. Get therapy. <laughs> have boundaries. Um, but but experimentation and getting out there and trying things and seeing how your body feels while you're doing stuff yeah. as you're figuring this shit out. That feels good, that feels good. If you have thoughts, feelings, or advice for our friend Kate, uh, I will accept that at the kindnessecon at gmail.com address. You can check out more episodes of The Kindness Economy at kindnessecon.com. And please subscribe, please tell your friends, all that good stuff. 
Uh, if you'd like to hang out with me more on social media, I am Bonus Parent Baba on all of the things, particularly uh, Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to hang out with, I don't know if Kate does uh, online. Oh my God. Uh, you I don't mean, have to. I technically have a Twitter and an Instagram. It doesn't sound like you're going to find her there. So <laughs> you can filter things through Kindness Economy. If, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. fine. If you have yeah. comments or feelings specifically for Kate, I will happily carry those messages along. And until then, please take excellent care of yourself and the people and the world around you. And I will see you in the future. Is this official? I'm going to hit the button. Okay. Oh, it's oh, so official. I forgot we're doing tarot. Yes. I don't oh. think I've touched a deck since I was like 16. Well, this is a uh, <laughs> flashback. Oh, God. That was not a shuffle. That was terrible. <laughs> I'm going to try this. Ah, oh, my hands. Come on, hands. Grab the deck. <laughs> it's harder than playing cards. They're really it is. They're wide. Big. Yeah. Very long. My hands are not that big. Not optimal. I need a hand. I need a shuffler. I would like a... Oh, automatic shuffler? Well, no, 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 no. no. I want a human you want with a big <laughs> hands to shuffle the tarot deck. Don't we all? For us. <laughs> while we do the show. Yeah. I feel like that's some... We should be able to have that in the future. I mean, I have a friend who's really into like being told what to do. That's so. great. Um, no, we can give... I just need somebody with big hands to shuffle the deck. He does have rather large hands. And pet the cat <laughs> while we're working. Uh-huh. I don't know if he likes cats or not, actually. So, all right, you're gonna pull the card. Okay, go do this. Ooh, side pull, side pull. Oh, if I can get just, just one card. I know. There we go. There it is. All right. Oh, I have bees. <gasps> that feels Work. appropriate. That's funny. That's a great card. It's reversed though. Oh, do you do reverse? Or we don't do reverse. It's hard okay. enough. I don't like to be <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's okay i guess that's a is that a that's like sagittarius or something oh really I'm gonna, yeah but it looks a like a three here it does look a lot like a three. Oh. Um, and there's an upside down triangle which is i forget which element that's it's one earth of the elements, so. and we also have a uh a i'm getting used to the dude symbol up in the upright top right corner so ready for this go for it mars and capricorn i was so close <laughs> what's a sagittarius anyway whatever it's that like the seahorse right like the mer creature yeah with the, the like ram's head and fishtail yeah the tail yeah. is the, the little little loop at the bottom oh. okay like we know what we're doing <laughs> keywords uh positive manifestation realization duty development growth progress material increase creation and the negative feeling listless or scattered inability to focus on a goal laziness burnout meaning now that we have materials to work with we work in a sense the card teaches us to accept the limitations of our physical existence and then set out to transform them and to make the best of them we've done this card before you Mm -hmm. maybe weren't here or listening to the podcast but (laughs) we did it exploring the card bees symbolize dedication to work and mastery bees are also awesome just as a side note (laughs) um let's see but bees bees where i lost my place ah they are architects dancers collectors of nectar and pollen nurses and fierce defenders of their hive the warm sweetness of their honey 
richly connects them to the elements of Earth. So that is our card for today. Clear some peaks here. And we have a special guest today. I'm My friend special. Kate, you are special. <laughs> uh, and you know, as with, with a lot of artists and their shows, it's like, hi, I'm cool and my friends are cool. This is one of my cool friends. So we're gonna talk today because Courtney is out getting her teeth fixed. So we're gonna have some fun with work. <laughs>